Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. for Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Good afternoon. This is Bob Bomier with Simple Faith. Uh, uh, it's Jim Barnes and myself sitting in for Dale. He, you're, you're, the, you're not Dale Carlson. Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> he, he's all the way down in Arizona, so, so he gets around. And it's an exciting show we have today uh, with David and Sue Waterhouse. And, uh, but we want to, right up front before we begin, uh, we want to give our radio, uh, give our number out, and that is uh, 725-9224, 725-9224. Remember, we're a live broadcast, and uh, your calls are really appreciated, and you can ask questions to either David or Sue, and uh, it would be um, a, a good thing for you to get involved with that. Yeah. Or if you don't want to talk on the radio, you can text me at 576-5648, 576-5648, and we'll read your comments and questions on the radio. So it's uh, just want to let you know that right up front. And uh, Sue... Um, uh, we had Sam on, and Pastor Sam was, uh, he works with the prison ministry and with women um, there at the Kennebec County Jail. And uh, I think it was it was a fascinating um, interview we had with him, and he, he shared with us that we should really interview you because <laughs> uh, you work with him. And uh, just just tell a little bit about yourself, Sue. Sure. Um I've been a Christian probably about 45 years, um, a little bit on the older spectrum of age, but you never grow old in the Lord. There's always new, the newness of the Lord is always there. So um, I started jail ministry even before there was jail ministry. Uh, a new pastor that was at our church decided to see if we could have programs for the, um, the inmates regarding of a spiritual nature because there wasn't anything at that point. So we were able to get something brought through the jail where we could meet with inmates that were wanting, that would want some type of spiritual um, instruction or questions answered or just some information that could be given to them that they were looking for. So we started that. I started that with um, the pastor doing men, doing men's ministry, mm -hmm. which as I look back, it's a lot easier than doing women, I think, because there's not the emotionalism connected there. Mm -hmm. And men oh. see when they want to pursue something, they seem to be more energetic and more committed. Um, not that women are not, but it's a different, <laughs> it's a different way to minister. But I well, enjoy God doing. God made us differently, even though we're the same. Definitely. So um, then I started doing women's ministry. I've been doing that probably for about 14 years, um, on and off. But I'm doing it now with Pastor Sam. I was I was doing it before with a group of two other ladies, 
And um, just looking back, I can see where having a man be the instructor or the teacher for a lot of these women is kind of intimidating, but I think he gives a good role model. He values them. He just sees them with respect and honor, which a lot of them didn't get. They were just abused by men in a lot of ways. So I think what he could give them, I can't give them. And I think that's made a difference. They really have warmed up to him. They respect him. And they're learning from him, too, which is what it's all about. Mm. So we're doing that currently. We're doing a Bible study on Sundays. We go in at 2 o'clock on Sundays. And on Wednesday, we just do a a growth-type involvement with the ladies with Scripture. And um, what I've noticed this time around, which I haven't always seen this, is there's a hunger and a thirst uh, recently, for, I, I would say within the after COVID, I think, when we couldn't oh. do it for COVID. But when we came back, there's a, there was a different atmosphere, a different hunger and thirst that the ladies are displaying that hmm. I've never seen before. That's and we wonderful. have a core group that comes. In fact, we just had five that were baptized about a month and a half ago, five ladies there. Um, it's not very often that you see um, people really on fire to try to learn about the Lord. I mean, they take notes, they ask questions, they're eager, and they come faithfully every single week. Wonderful. It is short-term, which is kind of difficult, but God doesn't need much time to change hearts and minds um, to know about Him. So we just present availability to them, and I think that's the most important thing. Sometimes you think you have nothing to give but just being there consistently exactly. shows them that, you know, God is seeking them as mm. well, and we're just his hands and his feet. Yes, yeah, Sue, I was going to ask you, though, what do you think? You said there seems to be a, a real fire and a, a, a concern on the part of the prisoners for to ask these questions and to find out about God. What do you think? Why? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the environment they're in, maybe. I mean, some of them can see it as a bitter experience or make it a better experience. God's got their full attention. Sometimes they come just to get out of the the cell. Um, But God can even use that. You know, he can use whatever he chooses to use because he's the one that draws them and um, teaches them about himself if they have a willing spirit. So you start with that and you let God do the rest. Do you see do you see them changing as a result of this? Do you see things happening in them that you can recognize? Definitely. In fact, about three weeks ago, there were two ladies that first came in, and my fault, I sort of stereotyped them. They had been around the block a few times, you could tell by their <laughs> mannerisms. Um, and I said, oh, they won't be back. They're not interested in this. And then hence, they were coming every single week. And then there was one week in particular I could see a different countenance upon them. There was almost like the presence of the Lord was upon them, and you could see their demeanor was more peaceful. It's hard to describe other than, you know, we give off an um, aroma of Christ within us, and I could Ah. see that presence was very much there. So I had to, you know, go back and ask the Lord to forgive me because I stereotyped them, and um, I wasn't seeing what he was doing on the inside. I was just judging by the outside. Oh wow! Well, well, really, you're you're giving them hope. Yes. I mean, because this world is empty without Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they were created to serve God, mm-hmm. and they were created by God to serve Him. And when we alienate ourselves from the very Creator, uh, what 
more have we? I mean, so that's a wonderful thing. And, and you were sharing also about, you know, it's it's different ministering to women mm-hmm. versus men. I know a, a, a prison guard that, that told me that, um, that when men have a dispute, they have a fight and get it over with. With women, it may last six months. <laughs> the ladies call that drama. Yeah. There's so much drama in there. And they're coming from all different places, as we all are, definitely. And we really don't know what their level of experience is or what they've gone through as far as our upbringing. So we start at the basic level, and I think right. Genesis comes very much into play at the beginning. We try to, I mean, a lot of them don't even know huh. who God is. So okay. we start at basics. So wow. you start right there at the beginning, begin at the beginning. Yes. With who who really is in charge yes. of this whole thing. And I think sometimes we just explore what their definition is of God and if they Wonderful. believe in God and who is that yeah. God that they believe in because a lot of these ladies haven't had experience in the Bible. So you don't have a starting point lots huh. of times. So I think you have to help them to talk a little bit about what their experiences would be. And sometimes... They really don't want to share because they have to put up a persona oh. when they're in jail. They mm-hmm. can't seem like they're anything but tough ladies they're that right. have all the they answers. they got to have that image. Yes, they do, because they can get picked on, so to speak. But yes. I'll tell you, the, the ladies that have been the most impacting to me have done even their own little Bible stud- studies in the jail. They prayed with each other. Um, it's just what you want to see in our church mm. is the growth oh, wow. <laughs> that we sometimes don't see because we all kind of, when we're in church, we kind of put a persona that everything's great and we don't really let our guides down. But they certainly do there, so I appreciate that. Well, now, here are these women. They've been kind of shoved aside by society, locked up in a cell, separated from everybody else, generally looked on as being failures and losers. What have they got to look forward to? How long are they, most of them, how long are their sentences? And what have they got to look forward to? A lot of them um, may have had, it's always drug related. Wow. The common denominator is either they've used or they've sold or they've been in presence of something going on that they're like an accessory to. So I think we have to try to get at, you know, why are you doing drugs? I mean, and you just, I mean, without getting into a victimization role or anything like that, which we refuse to do, they're not victims. They may have had experiences, but God is there to set them free. Yes. So we start with listening to them as much as they want to share, but Pastor Sam and myself refuse to get the victimization role there. We don't even want to know why they're in because it's irrelevant to us. We're just given an opportunity to share the good news, which... All of us are sinners before we've come to exactly. accepting and receiving. I don't like the word accept until we're believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we just treat them as somebody that needs to have grace and knowledge of Christ and just go slow. Can, are you able to let them see, to get a picture of who they are in the eyes of God? Yes. I mean, they know who they are in the eyes of the world where they're nothing. Right, right. How do you show them how do you get them to see, begin to see, in a way that uh, who, who they really are in the eyes of the one who made them in the first place? Well, first you go against the world's wisdom, which says <laughs> that we evolved. 
we help yeah. them to see that they were yeah. created from the very beginning, that God created them, male and female, female. which goes to other issues that you know, we yeah. seem to be contending in society today, um, that their identity is in Christ, not in what they've done before or what they might do in the future, but Christ is the one that we need to get our identity from. And that's really hard because we've come a ways where we've kind of just put in there the um, self-improvement. We have to have a good self-image. Uh, we have to let them know that where you start off with is that you're sinners. We're all sinners. Yeah. We begin with that. And then we see that there's nothing good within ourselves, that whatever occurs in us is going oh. to be brought on upon belief in God. He's going to transform exactly. your lives. We're not, okay. we're not made by our past. We're made by our present, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you're not trying to transform their lives by we can't. giving we know. them clever yeah. stuff. Or right. No, read this book on self-improvement. You have to have a good self-image. You have to love yourself. Right. Have your best life now, from somebody that's quoted that from one of the seeker-friendly churches. It's not that. It's, it's the reality. First of all, you have to know that you're a sinner yes. before you can understand that there's a savior who came to save you john said if man says he has no sin he's a liar and the truth is in him but the bible also says that the human heart is wicked yes it's desperate and who can know it uh, but God said He want He's here to replace our hearts, uh, take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, one that's pliable, one that uh, can hear the the gospel of Jesus Christ, and and that's what you and Pastor Sam uh, do there is to share with them and mm-hmm. to let them know that there is uh, somebody that loves them. And you were speaking about male and female. You see, we all these problems in the bo- in the world right now. Uh, could be solved, or answered, should I say, from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 11. All of the answers of humanity are right there. Very simple, uh, right in the beginning. Um, And you also had mentioned, Sue, about the world uh, view and biblical view. Yes. uh, Man's way and God's way, and and, uh, how you break it down, because Mm -hmm. you know that if they don't know Christ, they most likely are of a worldview. Mm-hmm. And the worldview has no real base. I mean, they'll throw out 400 million years ago or yes. do this. But when we bring ours, we say, well, we can tell you exactly how it happened <laughs> because yes. God told us how it happened. Yes. Uh, you know, on the first day, you created the you know, the, the world. And, and, and then, of course, we go from there to the sixth day where God created man. Yes. And, and how he created man in his image, mm-hmm. which is different from how he created the animals. Because he created the animals by speaking. He created man by taking the dust from the ground. He formed it, and he breathed into it and made it a living soul. Isn't that a miracle? It sure is. And that's who those girls are. That's right. They that's are right. God's breath. Amen. So, Sue, what happens on a Sunday morning when you go into that prison, what actually happens with those girls? Well, those we go women? we go around two. That's the time slot that we've been given to go on Sundays. So we don't. We're hoping we'll get the same ones. Especially we've been doing Romans um, teaching on Romans, so they know oh. to expect that on Sunday because they asked us. They wanted to do a Bible study, so um, Pastor Sam does Romans, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we usually get the same gals, of course, three or four have left that used to come to that group faithfully. In fact, there's an, another gentleman that came to the, to the jail, and he's more of a new age 
thinker, and um, he's offered it to these ladies, and they won't go. They said, oh. no, we're going to Pastor Sam's Bible study in Romans. So they're faithful. They're very faithful. And I think that they, they know that God is touching their lives, and they're open. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, one of the drawbacks I, I find is that the Bible is so downplayed. If, if they had God's Word to contend with, then you've got something to draw from. But a lot of them don't even have a knowledge of the Bible. So you're starting basically with helping to understand that the Bible is God's Word. And that's hard for them to believe sometimes, but we go and we talk about how the Bible came to be and it's God's Word, and every word that's in His Word is truth. Is there any worship or prayer that goes on during those Sunday mornings? We don't have any worship. We do start with prayer and we end with prayer, and we go around, Pastor goes around the room to each one of the ladies and ask what we can pray to them for, and they always usually have a response. Um, I'm trying to get them to see, well, you know, you can pray. No, I don't know how to do that. So we're working on that. They just don't think they have the right. And that's where a fallacy comes in with even Christians sometimes. They don't know how to pray. And it's just conversation with the Lord. Okay, okay. Have anyone, any of them actually volunteered to say a prayer out loud in front of the others? No, that's where they're very vulnerable. But they did ask if they could pray for us, which was a big, huge step. Oh, we're going yeah. to go to a break right now, but I want before we go, I want to let you know. Please call in and 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 talk, uh, you know, or, or pose any question or or comment. Seven two five nine two two four seven two five nine two two four, or you can text me at five seven six five six four eight five seven six five six four eight. We look forward to hearing from you out there as well. Well, we're going to go to a break right now, so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Yeah, don't go away. Good afternoon again. We're back with Simple Faith with Dave and Sue Waterhouse. And uh, Sue's been sharing with us. We're going to hear from David in a few minutes. Uh, But Sue's been sharing with us about the prison ministry that she does. Now, um, uh, Sue, uh, a question, um, you know, do, do we need big degrees? I mean, what, uh, yeah, yeah. what do you need <laughs> to, to get involved? Well, if you do, I don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> what? No degrees. <laughs> I, I think it's just a desire to reach out to those. I mean, Christ even tells us to reach out to those that are sick, to those in prison. Um, because up to a point, you don't have to be in a setting, in a facility. A lot of us are in prison um, outside of jail, mm. we have we're you know yeah. in prison is to sin, to wrong That's thinking, right. to not following in the Lord, mm. not listening to Him. So, uh, being addicted to certain things. I mean, we try to let the ladies know that. I mean, Paul, <laughs> who was an apostle of Christ, was brought in jail many times. So, he's someone oh. we hold out to them that he did. You can do work wherever you are for the Lord, yeah. uh, and we let them know that they're not limited where they are. They're only imprisoned by their attitudes and their lack of knowing Christ and the freedom that he gives them. You don't have to be in jail to be in prison. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's a, that's a little different. That kind of hits me. <laughs> uh, that pr- being in prison is, is not so much a matter of bars that's right. as it is what's going on inside your head and your heart. Yeah, Amen. Right. Yes, yes. Prison is to our thoughts to our past. I think the biggest thing is past. Uh, that holds people in, in um, 
and sin and not unforgiveness, all of that, that's that's a form of bondage. So I think once the ladies realize that, that see they're not wasting their time, God uses everything that we go through for his glory. And we try to let them know that, that God has a, a purpose even where they are. Um, so I think that gets mm. through after a while because we don't cater to this, oh, poor you, you had a bad <laughs> upbringing, you know, you had didn't have chances. I mean, God sets everything straight for all of us that believe in him. That's, that's so amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, when I stop and think about it, I think sometimes I think I'm, I'm – I allow myself to become a prisoner to Sunday afternoon football. <laughs> and and there's a lot of other things that God needs me to be doing out there on a Sunday afternoon. And But here I am, and I don't – and, and I, in a sense, I'm in prison yes. <laughs> once I turn – that game starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless I decide that I want to step out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one thing that's – you know, has really hit home to me is um, if we feel we can't do something and that God is calling us to do it, he equips us to do it. You know, I mean, mm. I didn't do jail ministry for a while, and then he called me back to it. He wants our availability, not our abilities, because <laughs> we don't have sometimes what it takes to do what he's calling us to do, but he does. It's unlimited what he yeah. has to offer to us if we're just willing to receive that from him and, and so know it's him. I, I heard you say... You do it, he equips you. Yes. He doesn't equip you before you do it. Mm. <laughs> well, he can give you a gifting, like if you have a gifting, but exactly. then not know where to put it. And yeah. I think one of the things that I've often kind of felt bad about is that as Christians, sometimes we have to be doing, 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 think we have to be doing, doing, doing. That's but all God requires of us right now is just to sit at his feet and learn of him, and then right. he'll let us know what if you're available to him and being guided by the holy spirit then yeah. he'll draw you where he wants you to go and Wonderful. start with prayer i mean ah, prayer is a big right. ministry um out, outpouring that wow. we can put praying about it praying for people you may not know them by name hmm. but pray for the ladies at kennebec county or the men or the guards because obviously god works through prayer and that's the first things he tells us to do is to pray about exactly. everything and worry about nothing well, think about it, Sue. We sat here at this desk before we started, and you asked me, well, do you have questions? And I said, no, I, I think you were supposed to bring them. And, and, and so here we are. But you know what we do? We're faithful. We Amen. begin. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is always faithful yes. to give us the, what we need uh, to finish the task. That is, and that's what I was trying to say. Uh, mm-hmm. You go present yourself, and God will fill in the blanks. Yes, he does. We just, he's looking for willing souls. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times people put themselves on the sidelines because they, that well, I'm not qualified yes. for this, or, or, yes. or, or I could never do this. And I think of Gideon, right, when mm-hmm. he says, uh, uh, Lord, who, who's, great, who's the great man of valor? I'm looking around, don't see anybody. Right. And right. he says, well, let me ex- educate you, Lord. He said, my family is poor. And he said, and I got some worse news. He said, I'm poorer than they are. In other words, he said, I I don't have the equipment. I I don't have the ability. And God said, well, if you get an ear, I can tell you what to do. And so the faithfulness of that, uh, you know, and a a person putting themselves in a position uh, 
and then saying, Lord, I know that you're faithful, and I know that you'll give the answer, and I know that your word will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish the very things that it was sent forth to accomplish. Thank you, Lord, that I can be a vessel and that I can be available. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, now, David, I want to just uh, have you share a little bit. You can pull that microphone right <laughs> over there for a minute. Uh, tell us a little bit about your life. Uh, you said you got saved at 12. Yes, I got saved at 12. I was brought up uh, as Roman Catholic, and my mother ended up being a Christian, and uh, we were going to a Baptist church t- down in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, and I kept on oh, listening and listening, and then one day everything came together, and I just accepted Christ there. And uh, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, yes, where Fox- the Patriots are. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, one of my instructors in high school was one of the owners of small part of the Patriots' uh, outfit. Wow. But it was Jesus that you were dealing with. It was Jesus I was dealing with, yes. Now, you, you uh, had a life in law enforcement uh, at, at, at a young adult and, and, and begun, and, and you shared with me some about being a police officer in Boston, Massachusetts. Yes, I was a privately paid uh, police officer down in Boston, Massachusetts. My job was to run a 95%, 1,500-person, 13 unit uh, apartment complex out of Mattapan Square. It had originally started out as Jewish uh, when the African-Americans moved in. All the Jews except one moved out. He said, I'm not moving for anybody. So they did the intelligent thing. They elected him president of the tenants union. Wonderful. (laughs) Absolutely perfect person for it. And uh, we got it to the point where uh, we'd start out with six burglaries a week. We got it down to one every six months. Uh, the first person we arrested for a burglary was a white gentleman breaking into a black gentleman's apartment. And we probably saved his life since the black gentleman uh, could pick up just about anybody and toss him because he was extremely muscular. Wow. A very fine gentleman. And he was sleeping on the couch underneath the window where this guy was coming in because a married couple had come up from the Carolinas to visit him for the weekend, and being the fine gentleman he was, they had his bedroom. Oh, I see. <laughs> so it, it was very interesting. Then I became a uh, district supervisor, including this area, and a licensed private investigator, and I've done a great deal of that. And it's wow. been more than interesting. Well, well, so what you're saying is as a, as a police officer in, in, uh, there in Boston, uh, working with, is it a tenement? What, uh, no, explain a little bit of what that is. This was Camion Flareon Apartments, 13 buildings, oh. three to four stories high. I see. And what we did is we had two people in the during the day, and then from 3 to 11 and 11 to 7, we had... Started out with three uh, people, all armed. Uh, One of them had a riot pump shotgun, which uh, was quite useful, too. I see. So, so David, uh, how did your faith help you in that situation? 
Well, I knew that God loved everyone. That's great. I knew that people had made bad decisions because of evil, and I tried to teach anybody that would listen, and especially the people I was supervising, that um, race means absolutely nothing. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter whether you're black, white, or pink. Exactly. Uh, God created you, God loves you, mm. and God sent his son because of the incredible love he has for human beings, sent Jesus to die for the sins of everyone who will accept him as their savior. Wonderful. And as I said, anyone who couldn't get over any racial bias, uh, I tra had them transferred out or they no longer had a job. We wouldn't tolerate anything in that line. Now, now that, uh, that uh, those apartments were in a place called the combat zone. Is, is That's correct. And I think a lot of people <laughs> know that was a really, really rough part of Boston. This was a very rough part of Boston. It was also when we had the insanity of Boston school busing where uh, – your school's just down the block from you, but since you're white, we're going to bus you an hour to a black section, and we're going to take the black kids from that section and bus them an hour to yeah. your section. And uh, that created problems outside the complex, but um, we dealt with them in a fair and equitable manner. And um, after the first gentleman we arrested being Caucasian, uh, they actually got the idea that we could care less. Wow. And so they would talk to us when they wouldn't talk to the regular Boston police. So, so we need more Christians to want to be police officers. And Absolutely, positively. We positively need more Christians to be police officers. And one of the things I've been trying throughout my career, one way or the other, is to encourage women to become police officers because we need we're getting more and more women in jail, as Sue was correctly pointing mm -hmm. out, who need Christ and need another woman that they can talk with, even if it's the person arresting them. Well, you know, I'm a pastor, and I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm going to go in ministry, I've got to be a pastor, or, or I've got to be a missionary, or, or I've got to be that. I'll, you know... We can serve God in any capacity of life, can't we? There's only two types of people. You're either a missionary or a mission field. Okay. Even even when you're a cop? Doesn't matter. It, that's a very responsible position. And yes, you have to have a higher standard of how you live than the average person. And people are going to be looking at you with a fine tooth comb yeah. to see if you're living up to what you claim you're... That's right. Well, where does that standard come from, though, David, that higher standard? standard comes from the Bible. Ah, ah. The it, Ten Commandments are the basis of all civilization. Yeah. Well, well, that's great. Now, tell us a little bit. Now, you were a police officer, and then from what I hear is you went into being a private investigator. What, what, what does that entail? And, private investigator... Um, I specialized in major crimes. I was highly trained in um, arson investigation and firefighting because I 
uh, also have a merch marine captain's license. And if our boat is on fire 200 miles offshore, <laughs> we had better figure out how to put it out <laughs> unless we want to try duplicating Peter walking on water. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I have had a great deal of training in fire fighting and also fire investigation. So I've done major fires, I've done a number of homicide cases, number of drug cases, a lot of mundane cases, uh, where mm -hmm. it's just, you know, what happened and uh, how do we give the correct information to the legitimate defense attorney. Yeah, and, and you were saying, David, that there's one case that stood out to you and you're still actually dealing uh, with that individual, uh, not necessarily as a private investigator now, but as a friend. Could you tell us a little bit about this man that is in prison and about to, you know, at some point to be released? Uh, this gentleman was a major player as assistant to the president of one of the major motorcycle uh, drug gangs. Um, he was one of the geniuses that met with the Mexican drug cartel figures in the 0506 range to figure out how to get drugs into the United States successfully, and he did. He sat down face-to-face -face with the major cartel figures at the time, oh. and um, he got arrested in uh, 2000, November of 2008 for drug dealing up in uh, Maine, and... I, my attorney I worked with was court appointed as his defense attorney, and since I was his chief investigator, I got court appointed as his private investigator, and I got to interview him extensively, and uh, a miracle had happened. Oh, he when he came in, he was a dangerous, vicious thug, very brilliant, I might add. But he became a Christian in prison. Wonderful. And one of the things he told me face to face, that I, I really remember it as if, as if it was yesterday, even though it was a lot of years ago, he said, if I hadn't been arrested, I would either end up in jail for life or I'd already be dead. He said, this was the best thing that could happen to me. And Becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian how in jail. How did Even that happen? I don't know how it happened. I'm going to ask him that same question <laughs> uh, myself. But I've been, obviously we worked with him to get any charges that were not true off. And we helped him uh, with the uh, DEA and the FBI on cut, getting the uh, drug cartel trails that he'd built up, shut down. Um, he's also testified in a number of murder cases because he knew where the bodies were buried, literally not figuratively. Ooh, wow. And uh, so he's, he has definitely put his mouth, I mean his life where his mouth is because <laughs> there are a number of people that have got a major contract out on him mm. and we're going to be working with federal marshals and so on to try and get him into witness protection again when he gets out. And, wow. Uh, but he's, he wrote me a letter. Well, David, why don't we do this? I want you to read that. But let's first of all go to break.
And in a couple of minutes, we'll be right back. I want to remind you, call, you can call us at 725-9224, 725-9224, or text us at 576-5648, 576-5648. We're going to break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Well, we're back with Simple Faith. Uh, again, uh, Dale is, is out, so it's Jim Barnes and myself, Bob Bomier, uh, manning the ship, and we have uh, both David and Sue Waterhouse with us. Uh, David was uh, just sharing about a man, we will not release his name for his own protection, uh, but he's a man who has found Christ, even though he had been quite a, a villain, and uh, David right now wants to read just a few things in a letter that was sent to him by this individual. I don't know, though, Bob, whether that was he. F this guy found Christ or Christ found him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I think Christ found him. And he found <laughs> I, I agree with you, Jim. Now, uh, this was totally out of the blue, and it helped make my week. He wrote me a very nice card letter. And he said, when I got, when my world got turned upside down, I was lost, scared, and lonely. And he goes on to mention the attorney. And I met you. You have been a great friend and like a dad to me. I am forever grateful. Thank you. And he goes on to say that I'm still here and still strong. And he has been in jail for at least 15 years. He will be getting out soon. I will be forever in debt to you for giving me the power and strength to keep fighting. I am so proud to call you my dearest friend. Thank you. Love you, pal. Um, this guy is, you know, we brought in, when he was in local jail, we brought in Bible and I don't know, what else did we bring in, Sue? I don't remember, but I think it was some of it literature. And he's been pursuing it ever since, along with education. And we've, along with his attorney, have got him out of uh, one prison where uh, we believe that he would have eventually been murdered uh, because he testified in a number of murder cases because he literally knew where the body was buried. Yes. And um, so he's got some people that really don't love him in any sense and don't realize that each one of us is a child of a creation of God. And if we accept Christ, we become a child of God, a child of Christ, and brothers and sisters, regardless of race. But David, you volunteered to go into that prison and spend time talking with this guy, this dangerous guy. <laughs> that, why'd you do that? Well, originally I was court appointed, so I had to get all the information from him. Ah. But when I got to know him and what he had done with his life and what God had done with his life, uh, I'd be going in to encourage him and uh, go over some of the Bible concepts with him whenever possible. And he evidently did that with some of the guards who became <laughs> very impressed with the fact that uh, this dangerous thug 
had turned his life completely around 180 degrees, and he was living it um, honestly enough, so he pres he got some guards that were definitely skeptics, believing that he had actually changed, which, and he, as I said, he's put his life on the line uh, to show the change. Yeah. And uh, anyone out there that doesn't think there's challenges coming up for Christians, please, our mm. major challenges coming uh. up, you need to take in him as an example of will you put your life on the line for Christ? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, and and that sounds like you answered that question for yourself as well. You started off going in there as an investigator. Correct. But you became a friend of this dangerous thug. Oh, he's not a dangerous thug. I trust him as much as I trust anybody here now because he <laughs> is wonderful. He has put his life, he's put his life in his mouth where he claims he they should be to his extreme danger. Okay. okay. But what you think, and you were saying that people, some people are skeptical about his change. Well, Paul the Apostle had the same thing. There were people skeptical. You know, they were skeptical of his change, and, and, um, and he went before the council in Jerusalem, and there was appointed um, to go to the Gentiles. Uh, and, you know, Paul himself said, hey, if I, if I wanted to measure, you know, sinners, he said, I'm chiefest of you all. He said, but yet, he said, because of the Lord's calling, I became chiefest of apostles. Isn't that a marvelous what God can do? And only he can do it. Well, you just have to look at some of the Old Testament people, uh, including Rahab the uh, prostitute who uh. Uh, saved the uh, spies. Yes. And believed in God and ended up in the lineage of uh, Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. But she really put her life on the line. Uh, she was in real danger. Yeah, I don't think she would have lived too long if yeah. they found out what she did. E exactly. And, uh, and so this, and it sounds like this guy that you're talking about is doing that right now, putting his life on the line. Absolutely. Correctly, and I think we as Christians have to ask because there's going to be future uh, persecution. And in Revelation, it says uh, oh. the souls of those who had been murdered for Christ's sake mm. were crying out, How much longer? How much longer before mm. you, you come back? That, that is so true. That's yeah. Revelation, that's very clear. And it, if you read Revelation, which a lot of people don't, you will see what is really coming and the total persecution that we as Christians are going to have, and we're just getting a taste of it in this country, but there's other countries where you get found with a Bible, you're extremely lucky if they just, if they just shoot you, literally, not figuratively. Wow. Well, David, it sounds like you're doing exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, greater love has no man than this, that he'd lay down his life for a friend. Exactly. And you're, you're, you're doing that. Well, so far, well, I can tell you <laughs> truthfully, if I was a cat with nine lives, I would have been dead years ago. Oh, wow. my goodness. Wow. Well, well, so turning, turning it back to you, sure. Uh, uh, 
lovely to have uh, both of you here with us today. And and you yeah. were sharing with us how that you work with Sam uh, in the ministry there at the Kennebec County Jail. Uh, tell us a little bit about the 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 needs and 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 how that uh, is with release and 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 those sort of things. Um, the biggest need I think right now is. Some of these women, literally, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around the concept, have nobody to go to when they get out. Uh-huh. Um, either their family's estranged from them or it's a bad environment or they don't have their family still alive. So uh, recently we just had three ladies that were leaving and all three did not literally have a place to go. And when you get out of jail, they just release you. <laughs> they don't have many resources that they can recommend even for a place to stay. So I think the biggest need right now is that we began to work in them and that we came across and show that we were caring for them. And I would like to see that we would still, as church churches, to get involved and see if we can pull our resources together and try to come alongside them, either through uh, ministering to them in the jail or mentoring them afterwards. The big thing is when they get out. When they get out, all of the woes and the cares of this world come down upon them because they were taken care of even if it wasn't in the best of circumstances they didn't have to worry about where their food was coming from where they where they were going to stay so all of that hits them when they get out and i think that's when satan comes in and like like the the sowing of the seeds takes away what little may have been rooted so far in their lives and they kind of just give up on God because nobody's coming alongside still with them. What, but when you use that expression, come alongside, what does that mean? How could, I, how could I do that? I think a lot of people may not feel that they're called to go into the jail, which is fine. It's not for everybody. Um, but I think one thing that we really can't get away, what God tells us to do, is to pray. Um, a long time ago, I prayed to the Lord to give me a burden for the lost. Be careful you make that prayer because <laughs> he does. He, he wakes me up. You've all, got the burden. Uh-huh. I've got the burden, mm-hmm. and only because I can take it to him and um, lay it before him with specific people that he brings to my mind. Um, I think we are sort of doing a disservice when we don't obey what Christ tells us to do. He tells us to pray. So even if you can't or don't want to or don't feel you're being led to, you're being led to and called to prayer. So I, I would pray for different populations of people, for the homeless, for those that are in jail, for those that are sick. You don't have to know them by name, but God knows who they are. And I think we just petition before him, and that's where it begins, and then God will take you further if he sees to put you in a further involvement with different segments. But also in your family, you know, you don't need to go to Africa to be missionary workers. It begins in our own homes. We really need to witness and be the mothers and fathers that he's called us to be, the friends, the neighbors that he's called us to be in our own neighborhoods, begins in community. And I think we sometimes don't think of that as ministry, but it certainly is because Christ says that if you are my, those that are serving me are my brother and sisters and fathers and mothers, and we need to put him first. Well, now, Sue, if, if there are people in a local church out there, Christian believers in a local church out there, who do what you did and pray that God would give them a burden for the lost and, and, and suddenly find that they've got that burden, mm-hmm. and they, can they come, to, could they call you and say, 
get the names of, for example, of people to pray for. Yes, they could. Pastor Sam and I just started last week trying to minister to the local pastors. We believe this is a united front that we have to come. The churches have to take up the mantle, that responsibility that it was given them. I I think we've fallen short of that, unfortunately. Mm. And I think the churches need to come together and um, find out how we as church people, we're, we're more powerful than we know we are in putting it forth. We need to just get up and reach our communities for Christ. It begins there. So I'm, we're trying to go to the local pastors. We already went to one, and we're just trying to see if they will come on board and minister to their own people, and then the resources would be there, and then we can connect them. What, like, for example, a, a, a local church group, a group of women in a local church could uh, come together to pray for specific w- yes. prisoners? Yes. And maybe even come to know them? visit them in the jail, perhaps, or establish or, or some kind of letters. relationship? Right. Write it's, letters? It's, yeah. it's all a matter of where our effort's going to be, but that need is definitely there. Yeah. I think we at my church, we have a lot of older people, and maybe they don't feel mobile enough to go and to do this okay. work. But, you know, <laughs> he, he puts uh, a need on our hearts uh, according to the season of life we're in. Uh, yeah. Prayer is always, I think it's our first line of defense right there is prayer, and I would like to see that happen. So I'm going to start with even my own church and see if I can get women that be committed to pray. Wow, wow, okay. Yeah, that that's something that anybody, you don't have to have a degree. You said something about you don't have any degrees yes. uh, or expertise, and but I've been listening to you, and it sounds... To me, I get the impression that you've got a master's degree in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's a good teacher. Or, to or have. she knows the master. That's yeah, right. and and, That's and, right. and you began to get that when you yes. were pretty young. Yes, yes, and I, and I think that's what it's, what it's all about. We have to trust him, and submit to him, and he does the rest. Well, you know, the Bible's definition of sin in the Bible is to he that knoweth to do good yeah. and withholds it. Amen. Yep. Has committed sin. That that's pretty alarming you know uh to 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 go there now we have just another minute so finish <laughs> us out here i just want to encourage people to to just seek the lord's will in your life and don't feel you're not being used by him because he will use you and there's different ways that he uses us Lord, we all just have giftings we all have giftings sometimes more than one um just kind of just contemplate that and just come before the lord and say what, what would you want of me? And just submit to what his will is. And be willing, if you are going to submit, to do what he's called you to do. And just be aware, first of all. I think awareness is the first key. That there are people out there that are lost, that are in darkness. And we have that light. And not to share it with others is selfish. And it's not doing what God's called us to do. So take up the mantle and follow Christ. Well, well, that that is so wonderful. And we thank uh, you and David for your time, a wonderful time together. And we are going to be off the air here in about 10 seconds. So remember, (laughs) next Saturday, um, tune in with us at 3 o'clock. Yes, indeed. uh, And can I slip in quickly there? If you are a believer in (laughs) Jesus Christ, you have a message of hope and victory that's desperately needed by these women that are in that jail. Amen. Amen. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you. God bless you. It's time.